0: Pain and joy kind of are two sides of the same coin and there's nothing to fear in the, the in in the emotions. Like that's that's the meaning of life is to feel. Like that's what makes us human.
1: Hi everyone. Welcome to Undefined. I am Marissa Tashman and I just want to start by thanking everybody who listened to my first episode, it really means so much to me that you tuned in and I really appreciated all of the feedback that I got. I'm just so happy that my voice was able to be heard and I'm so grateful for everybody who listened. And if you haven't listened, I recommend listening to my first episode and letting me know what you think. That would be awesome. This is the first time I've Put something like this out into the world, so it would be awesome to get some feedback, both good and bad. So today, I'm very excited to share my interview with my friend Julia Stefanides. She's a lawyer for the Writers Guild and a graduate of Berkeley Law School and UCLA undergrad. She used to be a civil rights attorney after before she worked for the Writers Guild. Basically, she's a superwoman, and I admire her so much. We connected just very intimately right away, because it's very hard to find other lawyers who are on this, I guess I could call it, like a spiritual personal development journey. And our connection has been really beautiful. I think that we identify with each other in a way that I can't identify with a lot of other people. So I'm very grateful for that. We talk about things like being the quote unquote, cool girl, patterns of being defined by your emotions, And one thing that I also thought was super interesting was this topic about the tension between the desire to belong versus being your authentic self and how that plays out. And then also the concept of being nobody, which in a sense seems to be the epitome of being undefined, like having no body. So I hope that you guys find this as interesting as I did. Um, We started the conversation about how the societal pressures are compounded on her where she feels like she has to be an extrovert, or I should say she felt like she had to be an extrovert. And then finally, when she was true to herself in the natural fashion, she embraced her introvert identity. So you will hear a lot of that conversation. And I interviewed her when I was off of work, but since we recorded this, I started working at a new firm, which is amazing, so I'm not off of work anymore. But I really am enjoying having this creative outlet in my podcast and I've realized how important it is to embrace this side of myself, this creative, free-spirited, spiritual, mystical side of myself, as well as, you know, the type A lawyer side. Both of those things are just part of who I am. So that kind of comes through this conversation since, I mean, we're both lawyers, but we talk about some very deep things and I hope that you all
0: enjoy it. I liked like thinking about definitions that I have learned to shed. Just because I was like, "What is that? Hmm, what does that mean?" And I realized it could be like, it could be definitions that like, like seemingly positive definitions that I've learned to shed, but also like, you know, it could be you know, like the like being extroverted or being likable or being whatever. Like, I don't need to define myself by that, but also the definitions that were kind of imposed on me that I don't really like or identify with. And I just thought like, Oh, it's just so interesting that like, no matter whether or not the definition is positive or negative, it doesn't really serve to to be defined.
1: Right. Totally. I think that's like such an interesting, I don't know if you would call it a dichotomy, but it's just interesting to think about some definitions as positive and some as negative. Like I wonder being extroverted if that if if like at the time you felt defined by that if that felt positive but now looking back on it it doesn't feel positive because it wasn't true to you
0: I think the harm is is that like we come we start to sort of hinge or like latch our identities to these, these things that aren't even real. So like, whether or not it's something that society has deemed to be positive or negative, say it's, you know, I guess extroverted, our society, I think, puts a lot of pressure on people to be that way and really values that quality. And I know like in business, like when you go to business school, that's sort of an an expectation that you're going to be extroverted and that you're going to do all these big group things and go on these huge group trips and I don't know how introverts do business school and that that's the book quiet talked a lot about that, like how business culture in this country is, is really focused on extroversion. And so I think it's like, even though that's a, a positive trait in our society lay, like kind of like having these labels on these traits is what causes problems because it causes shame if you don't feel like you identify with them. And even if you, you know, I think it causes a lot of pressure to identify with them. So for me, I think for a lot of my life, I sort of did identify with that. I was told that that's what I was. And, and I, I was, I I think, I think people can kind of evolve. And I think when I was younger, I was more like socially motivated and I did get a lot more energy from people. And I just became more reflective as I grew up. But, but like the pressure of that label was, it was a lot. And I think that's why you see, like, it's not like celebrities don't have depression or body image issues. You know, you don't it's not like people who are who are very thin or people with big boobs like don't have have insecurities even though those are ways that we're sort of pressured to be because I think that there's the pressure of that definition and that you'll you'll just never quite measure up. And I think that's the problem is like there's no good enough in our society and you're you're never quite there. You've never quite gotten there. So there's like to me I don't I don't really see a huge benefit to identifying strongly with anything like that, especially because we're always changing and we're always growing and we want to have the freedom to do that without feeling like our identity is, is latched on to, to being a certain way or being thought of.
1: Totally. And it's interesting to think about just on the extrovert introvert point, like how we even define those. And there's a total misconception between like the real definition of an introvert versus what people think of when they think of an introvert. Like, I think that when people think about an introvert, they think of someone just being completely antisocial like totally. alone in their room, totally. like not doing anything with any other people, you know, totally. but it's really just about how you kind of recharge. Yeah. Bringing it back inward is, I mean, all of the spirituality stuff and meditation is all focused on coming back in inside yourself and just sitting with yourself, which is the opposite of like going on a giant, you know, group trip or going out and partying and drinking. Um, Although some people can find those, some people can find Moments where they go inside of themselves. Like sometimes I feel like when I, because I had a similar experience with my ex where he was super extroverted and loved going out, uh, big group trips, and just going out to bars. And I think part of me used the excuse of like work and studying when I was in law school and then work with my
0: job as like an excuse to not go out. Oh, yep. I know how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when, you know, it's like so interesting to see the different ways that we like avoid actually owning these parts of ourselves. Right. Like instead of just owning that, like maybe I'm a little more introverted than you and maybe I, I don't value, you know, going out as much as you do it, but probably because of the pressure of, you know, we, that's, that's something again that we're all kind of socialized to do. So you're like, oh, I'm just too busy. I'm just, I have to study. I can't, but I would if I could Totally.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting because in the times where I did go out, a lot of the time I wasn't drinking or maybe I would have one drink and it was usually because I had to wake up early the next day to work or study or whatever it was. And I noticed that I felt so much more alone at certain times when I was out with – a ton of people even though there were a ton of people around and I somewhat learned how to like go inside of myself in order to find some sort of comfort and especially you feel more alone when you're the only one like not super drunk but
0: yeah but isn't that funny but it, it's interesting you felt al- like it's you you might have felt alone not going like you might have had like the the FOMO and felt like oh you know, I'm missing out and I should have been there. But then it's, isn't it interesting when you're surrounded by people and you still feel alone? Totally.
1: Yeah. And I've experienced that so many times. Yeah.
0: I think when I was younger, I was just more bold and free and it wasn't as tiring to be around people because I was fully myself. I didn't give a shit what anyone thought of me. Like I was, I was really like alive. And I think, as I got older, like it became being around people just became more tiring because I'm, I'm trying to think of exactly the right way to say it. I...
1: It's like, there's all these other pressures. Yes.
0: Yeah. There's all this other stuff. Like I'm trying, I'm not just being myself. I'm not just like living. I'm trying to construct and identity, and I'm worrying about how people are perceiving me, and and this makes me sound like I'm like super overly analytical, but these are subconscious processes. I, I'm not even aware that I do it, and we all do it. Like most people who are teenagers and beyond are, are doing this without even realizing it, and for me, that became just super exhausting. And so I think I, I don't know. I think that, and I think I just like. I am like a very sort of like thoughtful, curious person and spiritual person. And so I, I think it sort of makes sense that I, as I got older, like those things, I started to just sort of want to focus on them more and and value them more. But I honestly feel like part of the reason I need more alone time and time to recharge is that it just feels like the same, like it feels, I feel really safe when I'm like on my meditation cushion. And when I'm like drinking tea on the couch, reading a book, like I feel really safe and like nourished and sometimes around big groups, I, I don't feel that way. Like it brings up even now that I've done a lot of work and I feel really at peace with myself, you know, it still does bring up more triggers than, um, you know, than it would to just spend time with myself or with a close friend.
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting, you mentioned just the concept of identity and how when we're a child, like we don't, I didn't feel the pressure to define who I was. I did to an extent, like, you know, I am a girl or I am somebody who lives in California or I am an American, you know, certain things like that. But in terms of who we are at the core, there was nothing that I didn't feel like I had to put a label. Yeah. On
0: that. I, I, well, and it's, it's funny because like the truth is that we're all a little bit of everything. And I think when you do label people, it's like tracking in school. When you like label certain kids as gifted and, and put them in like the advanced reading classes and then you label other kids as like not gifted, then you sort right. of set them up to be that way because people tend to, to act in accordance with the labels that are placed on them. Right. So it's like, it's just so interesting, like to see that process of like going from what you're describing of like being, being nobody, just being yourself, which could be, you know, crazy and energetic one day and, and quiet and reflective the next. And it it doesn't have to be a certain way. And then going from that to like this building of an idea, like constructing the identity,
1: yeah, and like that concept of being nobody. You know, we define ourselves by it's so yeah, it's so interesting. I'm reading um what is it called? The Untethered Soul. Oh yeah. or I should say I'm listening to The Untethered Soul. It's been on my list for a really long love time and finally listening to it. But Michael Singer who wrote it was just talking about this concept of being nobody and how even the definition of I'm a woman or I am a man is just something that is a thought in our mind. And it it isn't, I'm not explaining it well, but it's not like, it's something that we come up with ourselves. It's a construct and it doesn't. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I think like our society now is thankfully becoming somewhat more open to the idea or to even just the conversation that those things are a construct.
0: Yeah. I know. I I think you're right. I think, I, I think it's interesting just to look at all the different things we've constructed and like things that we like things that we think are sort of obvious, like pieces of our identity. I found it really powerful when I started studying Buddhist like mindf- mindfulness meditation, um Vipassana meditation, this idea that like you are not your thoughts, you are not your stories, you are not your feelings, you're not like, and I was like, but yes, I am, Maybe I, like if I feel anxious all the time, I am anxious, I'm an anxious person, and you hear people say that all the time. I'm just an anxious person, I'm just type A, I'm just a perfectionist, I'm just lazy, and I found it so liberating to realize that like, no, you're not, because really those are just habits. They're like coping mechanisms. Like are these traits that we think are sort of like immutable are actually just often coping mechanisms or habits that we've developed. And if we want to shift them often, we can. So, you know, for instance, like anxiety is a coping mechanism that many people use to deal with, with trying to, wanting to feel safe or wanting to feel like things are predictable, wanting to have control. And often when you look back to like, well, where does that originate? It can come from like not feeling safe in your family, not feeling safe with your parents, not, um, you know, feeling like you, you needed to have control and, and try to, so to like create a more, um, harmonious home life, um, or that you needed to worry t- in order to like foresee when there would next be a conflict so that you could try to avoid it or not be in the house during it or come up with the perfect response to diffuse it. But often when you look back at like, well, where, where is this coming from? You can see how these things developed and you realize that they're just behaviors that, that started and then they became habitual. And if they're not serving you and they're not helping you in life, you can, that awareness can help you realize, okay, i can develop a new habit or a new coping mechanism and so then it truly is like we are nobody like we if those behaviors like don't define us what does if all of our thoughts are just visitors passing by that we can observe but they're not really who we are then like and our bodies aren't who we really are right who who are we then and i find that just kind of liberating that there's some We're just sort of like consciousness. That's all we are. It's just we're this observer who observes our experience as it comes in and out. And it just made me feel liberated. Yeah. Because it truly is the death. It's that is being undefined. That like the ego creates stories about like who, you know, I am this, she is this. And we sort of categorize our people and our environment to try to make sense of it. But in reality how solid are any of those definitions i don't know
1: yeah and it's it's very liberating it's also terrifying but the part of me that thinks it's terrifying is that ego and that's the defense mechanism essentially because just as humans i think we always there's a natural tendency for us to to want to find meaning to everything oh
0: yeah oh yeah and to be important
1: yeah totally like talk about that definition of being seen or being somebody being likable. You know, you won't be somebody unless people like you. That's been like a huge one for me. And a lot of the times I would sacrifice just the core of who I am in an effort to make someone Mm -hmm. like me. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. And it's like, like when I hear that, I just like want to give you a big hug because it's so natural like because there is something instinctive I think in humans and in probably animals too where it's almost a survival mechanism to crave belonging right because the people who strayed from the herd or that people didn't like got left behind and like died and so it makes sense that we all want to belong and we want to fit in and like that's so natural and and that like that desire and that tendency I think you know, we just need to meet it with so much love and gentleness. But, but it's so interesting. I, one of Brene Brown's books, I think it's Braving the Wilderness really delves into this. Like there's this tension and this has been like the tension of my sort of, after I kind of awakened to a lot of this stuff and became more spiritual, like I realized one of the, the biggest conflicts I have in my life is this sort of the desire to, to belong and to feel like, to feel like people I'm seen and heard and I belong and I fit in somewhere and the desire to be my authentic self. And I think the journey is finding the places where those overlap and where you can. And I think the only way I, I, what Brene Brown says about it is like, you can never really belong anywhere until you belong to yourself first, because, and you and I, it sounds like we're both doing this. If you're abandoning yourself and you're just trying to be liked you'll never be around people who really get you and see you. And so you never really belong. Right. But mm-hmm. if you're yourself and you're in touch with yourself and you allow people to see you with all the like messy shit and all the thing like all the awkwardness or the things you don't love about yourself and imperfections and people are still there and showing up, not just for like the fun you who goes out, but like the you when you're struggling with a health issue or a breakup or feeling shame and wanting to talk about it. And like the people who show up for you in those moments are like, that's where you really belong.
1: Totally. And when you get back when you get to that place of loving yourself, you stop caring about the people that you know don't that where you don't feel like you belong because they're not accepting the core of who you are. And it's it's like liberating to I mean, I don't feel like that now, totally. I'm like on the road, obviously, and it's like a lifelong process, of course, but each step of the way is more liberating.
0: Yeah, and I think you're so right. It's like a journey. Like I say, I'm like, I've given up trying to be likable, and then like, you know, two days later, I notice myself at work, like saying something that doesn't really feel true or like laughing at a joke that is like offensive because I'm just like, Oh, but I don't want to, I don't want to stir the pot. I want them to like me. So it's like a constant awareness of, of that. And just sort of like a constant, constant checking in about how it's going, but it's just so, I think it's so true that you're, you're never like you'll never really feel what you want. You'll never get to where you want to go if you're not being totally true to yourself. And you- I have, oh, I just wanted to share. I have a new, I like have a new mantra that I'm that I'm sort of like trying to repeat to myself. Okay, I texted it to my cousin. Ooh, um, share. Because I am trying to let go of sort of needing to be liked. And I'm noticing it coming up a lot like I'm, I'm very opinionated about systems that I don't agree with. And like all of this great black lives matter stuff is happening right now. And, and I'm, it's coming up again, where I like, I want to express my opinion and how I feel. And, and I don't want to hold back based on like, Ooh, is this family member not gonna not gonna agree or is gonna are they gonna think I'm radical. Um, And the way that I you know, there's so many things about the way that I live, especially as I've awakened that like, they're not mainstream. And, and what I've realized, I used to think that mainstream was like normal and right. And that things that were too far from the mainstream had to be kind of like off, right? Like it's like in politics, like you think the centrists are like the most reasonable people. But what right. I realized is mainstream society is like majorly fucked up. For sure. It just is re- reinforces like white
1: supremacy, the patriarchy, a fucked gender up eating norms. System.
0: Like the food system is a disgusting mess. The healthcare system is totally backwards. Even
1: like diet culture. Yep. And yeah. How people feel about their bodies.
0: Oh yeah. And and like America is so weird with food. Like Michael Pollan and Mark Hyman, I'll, I'll talk about this stuff. Like it's, we have this like weird diet culture and yet we're also like the least healthy and most obese country, you know, like we're there's like, what a weird, like, we really can't figure it out. You know, we're like tormenting ourselves and thinking about food and obsessing about food. And yet most of us don't eat, you know, we're not eating foods that are nourishing us. And there's all sorts of government policies that contribute to that and contribute to like food inequity. And it's just, it's just diet culture
1: itself, too. I'm reading this book called the anti-diet by Christy Harrison And it's Mm -hmm. just about how diet culture essentially is rooted in racism and patriarchy. And there's a total correlation between the rise of diet culture and our obesity problem. Yeah. Which I put that in quotes, the obesity epidemic, because if you read it, it's really the obesity epidemic, like quote unquote, was this you know, epidemic that was essentially like constructed by pharmaceutical companies that were producing diet drugs and like weight loss drugs Hmm. and these programs that were marketing people wanting to marketing like weight loss techniques, I guess. Um, But all of that is, is rooted in like our desire that are the socially constructed desire to be thin and, that itself is like rooted in racism and essentially the patriarchy. But it's, I mean, it's fascinating. You should read it. I think you would, you would like it. The first part of the book is all about this. Um, And then the last part, I mean, I haven't gotten there yet, but I think it's more so about like intuitive eating and just the alternative to some of these movements that are happening where some of these movements are really just disguising like, diet culture. Um, but sorry to get off topic. I want to hear what your mantra is. No, by
0: all means, please. I love, I love hearing about new books or not new books, but books that I am not aware of, but I I've just kind of like let go of, I I feel like people think of me as like, oh, Julia, like Julia only gets her meat from the farmer's market. And (laughs) you know, like I, I, I've sort of let go, like I'm not in the mainstream anymore. And in many of my beliefs about race, gender, environment, animals, um, all of these things that we're, we're talking about. And, and like that used to scare me. And that used to make me think like, well, am I crazy? Am I illogical? Like is there should i be should like does this mean that i've like come like become unhinged but i think the truth is that like all this mainstream shit is is the more you dig in and awaken you see how it's all just based in dysfunctional conditioning and systems of like capitalism and and making money that that really are focused on that and prioritize that way way beyond like human health environmental health animals so, so my mantra. Yeah. Is, I mean, like
1: you've identified the va- your, your core values and the systems that don't align with those tend to be the mainstream ones.
0: Which is like kind of um, weird to, to realize that, but yeah, yeah, it is, it
1: is that we're conditioned to believe that the mainstream is the stream that you should be in, you know, right. to like follow and the herd.
0: You, and if you aren't buying it, you're like a radical.
1: Totally.
0: So my mantra Which is really like
1: you're not. Sorry, I want
0: to really hear the no, mantra. You're just, you're just, yeah. Do you really do you on the mantra? It's also like <laughs> no, now, I do. <laughs> I don't know if it's worth the build up now because it's going to be really anticlimactic because it's not that good.
1: I'm excited about it. <laughs> okay,
0: good. Um, it's I let go of the need to be liked. As long as I am kind, authentic, and open to feedback, what other people think of me is none of my business.
1: I love that. Do Do you you have it? Yes. I I totally.
0: I when I said it.
1: No, no. I love it. I think it's great. I I just had an amazing breathwork session today. And I focused on like breathing in where I, I, it was basically like breathing in where I need to be, like where just being right where I am, meeting myself where I'm at. And then like breathing out all of that shame and guilt. So it sort of aligns with the mantra.
0: (laughs) No, it totally does. And it's like a physical manifestation of it.
1: Right. Right. Totally. Do you have it written down in places for you to see it? (laughs) Or do you just remember it?
0: (laughs) I just, I just checked my text to my cousin because we were texting about, (laughs) 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 we were texting about, I don't know, some being too hard on yourself and, and, the stress of everyday life, and and just like, especially in this movement now, like feeling, feeling like maybe people aren't aren't understanding where the the activists are coming from, and and do we keep our mouths shut, like whatever. So anyway, I said, you know what? So if this has been the new mantra that I've been, that's good. You can yeah. set
1: an alarm on your phone.
0: For, I should do that. A reminder:
1: I have a reminder for myself every day at three p.m. My phone reminds me to say something nice to myself.
0: <laughs> I don't mean to laugh that like I'm laughing with you, that's like extremely endearing.
1: <laughs> it says word it says word of kindness. <laughs> It's helpful though because sometimes I go all day and it's like this negative self-talk or just neutral self-talk. But so rarely do I think to myself I'm awesome, you know?
0: Well, I I notice I notice that I do that and I also I try to notice how often it's in response to external feedback, right? Like Oh, totally. You know, like like if I settle a case well and people are like Oh, wow. Great settlement. Awesome work. You're kicking ass. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm such a badass. I'm awesome. (laughs) But like, how often do I, can I just tell myself that when I wake up just because I woke up and because I'm alive?
1: Right. It's so rare, but it's helpful. I mean, sometimes it makes me smile. That's so
0: cute. (laughs) I love that. I'm going to start texting you at three a word of (laughs) kindness about you oh that's so nice it's just gonna be like now I'll have a reminder text Marissa you have to you have to say one about yourself too though fine agreed
1: (laughs) I can do that
0: yeah I do like a like a morning I do like a a morning meditation practice and then I I just sort of like to center my thoughts on what I want to focus on for the day and how I want to how I want to show up
1: yeah, what I'd love to hear more about like your morning routines and how you get centered each day, because I, I struggle with that sometimes, especially now it's at the beginning of quarantine. It was so nice because I had so much more time, but now I feel like sometimes I'm getting more lax about it in, in not doing some of the things in the morning that I know will make me feel good. Like not yeah. going on a walk or not journaling for five minutes or whatever it is. So I'd lo- I'd love to hear your, about your routine and how it's, you center yourself. It
0: is hard when, I think it can be hard when you don't have, like it's almost like when you're less structured, it's harder to to stick to those things. I, I like to have I like routine. I like to have like a container. In which to do things, otherwise. I won't do anything. Like I I feel like there's so many things I love to do that I get overwhelmed. I don't understand people who like get bored. Like what does that mean? Yeah, I know saying. <laughs> don't like <laughs> even people in quarantine who are like I'm bored. What?
1: <laughs> if I people are asking me now like what are you doing all day since I'm I'm not working, I'm on my little I can call it a sabbatical. Hell yeah! But I feel like I'm so busy all day.
0: Oh my god. I mean, yeah, I felt that way in between jobs too. I was like, okay, I'm like going to start a baking business. I'm reading, rereading the entire Harry Potter series. I like read the newspaper every morning. I exercise. I meditate. I see my friends. Maybe I do some volunteer work. Like, how can you get bored?
1: I mean, yeah, no idea because there's so many more things I want to do that I don't have time for. And it scares me to think about how I fit in all of this stuff when I start working again. (laughs) But hopefully I'll figure it out.
0: I totally, I know. There's so much I want to learn personally. There's so much I have like to do now to like care for myself. And there's so much I want to like help change in the world and people I want to help and work with. And Yeah. I like to set aside when I get up, um, time for meditation. And right now what's one thing that's really helped my routine is that one of my favorite teachers, Will Kabat-Zinn, who's John Kabat-Zinn's son. He's very, he's very wise. And in quarantine, he has brought his meditations online. So like seven to seven 30. And so I just like log on and like see his face and it's like it's just like a nice container because now that's my habit is I do that every morning from seven to seven thirty, And then from like seven thirty to eight, I'll do another guided meditation or I'll journal or I'll do like a workshop. You know, I like Lacey Phillips work. Um, I like this program I've done called DNRS that helps with like chronic health issues. And I found that really transformative. So I'll use the next half an hour to sort of do one of those practices and just sort of like. Set intentions for the day and and reflect on how how I'm feeling, how things have been going, and so that hour, like seven to eight, is just like my hour, and I'm very lucky that I have that time. I don't have kids, I don't have a partner, so it's it's easy to carve it out, especially now that I'm working from home. And yeah, like some days, if something happens, like if I'm I have chronic health stuff going on, so if I am up all night with symptoms or something, I I may skip it, but it's, it's pretty consistent. And if I do miss it one day, I just get back to it the next.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. I've tuned into his meditations, but I would love to make it more consistent. So you're motivating me right now. Thank you.
0: Yay. Well, I'd love to feel your energy on the 7am.
1: I did want to talk a little bit more about just this concept of being the cool girl. Um, Cause I experienced that as well. And I know that you mentioned it earlier in our conversation, but I think that's, I kind of had a unique experience because I went to an all girls school. Oh, I didn't so, know that about you. Yeah. Through seventh grade through 12th grade. And at my school, it was, I, at least I felt like it was cool to be smart. Whereas, I mean, I wasn't the smartest girl in the class, like by far, Definitely not. But I think that that is not the case at a lot of other co-ed schools is that girls tend to like suppress their intellectual nature. I did feel like, especially with boys and just, I think we're conditioned to understand that being liked means... To not be super emotional, to not be dramatic, to be really easygoing and down to earth. Like if you ever think about how a cool girl is described, it's somebody that can like hang around anyone and is not making an issue out of anything, but then while still being, you know, beautiful and dressing really well and having her makeup done.
0: Yep. I mean, did you, did we, did you read Gone Girl?
1: I didn't. Did
0: we talk about I read it? Sharp Objects, which
1: is another one of her books, which I really liked and I need to read Gone Girl.
0: It's I, like, I like, she describes it as, I just pulled up this quote that I, I, I just found it to be like, oh yeah. She says, being the cool girl means I am, this is Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. Being the cool girl means I am a hot, brilliant, funny woman who adores football, poker, dirty jokes, and burping, who plays video games, drinks cheap beer, loves threesomes and anal sex, and jams hot dogs and hamburgers into her mouth like she's hosting the world's biggest culinary gangbang while somehow maintaining a size two because cool girls are above all hot. Hot and understanding. Cool girls never get angry. They only smile in a chagrined, loving manner and let their men do whatever they want go ahead, shit on me. I don't mind. I'm the cool girl. So I don't know if that resonates. Totally but that, resonates. <laughs> it, it's like a, like, yeah, it's so interesting to like, I did not know anything really about the patriarchy when I was a teenager, but it's so interesting to realize how much of like, what was deemed acceptable and positive was like the standard was set by men and I totally felt like even among especially like one of my close friends um there was like a lot of sort of and this is it's hard to like sum it up because it's like such a big topic but but there I definitely think there's like a fear of emotions in our society and like a fear of expressing strong emotions and being a strong feeler, especially when you're like a teenager, but even in adult life, there's like sort of a, you know, how are you? I'm fine. You know, I'm good. Um, And I think that probably stems from patriarchy in a way because men in like toxic masculinity, men are socialized not to show emotion, not to be like, not to. and, And so men don't really, a lot of men in our society don't really learn, how to be in touch with themselves, how to express their feelings, and as a result, they shun it in other people and that's why you get this this sort of stereotype of a relationship where like the woman wants to talk about her feelings, and the guy's like, "Shut up, I just want to drink a beer and like chill out and and i I guess when I was younger, and I think a lot of women sort of are are conditioned to want to sort of shrink or abandon themselves. To be what men want them to be. And so I felt like one thing, the way this sort of manifested for me was I feel like I'm, I'm a, I'm like an empath. So I, I'm a very strong feeler and I just like my nervous system lets in a lot more of what's going on in the outside world than like an average person's nervous system. So like, I feel other people's emotions. I feel like the pain of animals. And when I see, the effects of climate change, it like really deeply moves me. When I was a teenager, um, and I would go like to the movies with friends, I would be so like deeply in it. Like I would just, especially if there was like a rape scene or an injustice or animals being beaten or people being beaten or like any kind of really visceral pain, like or, like, a kid being, like, left out or made fun of or any kind of, like, racism or, you know, sexism. Like, I just felt it so viscerally in my body and it it would haunt me, it's particularly, like, rape or, like, beating scenes. Like, I still can't really... I can't, I can't really watch those without feeling extremely sick and then I'll have dreams about it and, like, have trouble sleeping, like, sometimes for up to a week. And it's it it just haunts me. Like after, when I tried to watch Narcos, there's this like disgusting rape scene in this, I think in the second episode. And I just couldn't, I not only could I not watch the show again, but like, I, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And, and I felt like I was going to throw up and I just felt so sad for probably a week after watching it. And, you know, I watched it with a friend and like, it just didn't affect it. Like she was like, oh, ooh, disturbing. But then like she was able to move on. So I just have a different way of processing things and and it's really important. I didn't know I didn't know what that mm-hmm. was when I was younger. And I felt like people kind of thought it was weird and so I would try to hide it and just be like, yeah, cool. That was that was fine. I'm fine. Like we'd come out of movies and I'd be like sobbing and I would just like dry my tears and be like that was really sad, but okay, who wants to go get french fries, you know? And I think that that sort of, like, resistance to feelings is very much, like, a, it, it's sort of, like, that's what being a cool girl is, is, like, being chill, like, not, not needing a lot from other people, like, not not getting upset by anything, like, not not letting things bother you, and I, I don't think that's, it's just so interesting when um, we realize that that's, that's not like an absolute truth. Right. And I think for me, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm just babbling. No, I mean, it's
1: interesting because even the way that we define, like we say coming back into our feminine or into our masculine and even the way that we define those things is along those, like the emotional, not emotional lines. At least that's part of the definition.
0: Yeah. Yeah yeah and I think that i well I think that like I almost prefer a different name for the those kind of like energies right because it's it feels like whatever the the masculine energy is, and I think people use that to mean sort of like a little bit more like still and like taking and then also like sort of holding a container, logistics, like getting things done, less feeling more like doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think with the feminine energy, people use that to mean more like feeling and, and being really present with what's coming up and, and just like a softer energy. And so it, I just, I think that our society is very much lacking that energy. There's a lot more like logic reason, get things done, you know, push through and a lot less like just being with how we feel. Right. I
1: mean, cause we perceive that
0: as a weakness. Oh, totally. I, I didn't know that that was like, okay. I mean, I feel like I could never be fully, I could never show people the extent of my feelings, both positive and negative. I mean, I get extremely happy and excited and joyful too. If I, you know, I'm, I'm easily moved either way, but like, I feel like I always sort of have to tone it down. And then there was this, I went on this meditation retreat with a bunch of other women who were more like me. Um, And like after, you know, I was, we were like sitting in circle and I was talking about climate change and just feeling really like overcome with emotion and was crying and like felt kind of ashamed. But the other women were like, started tearing up as well. And they like came and gave me a hug and they were like, I totally understand. It's horrific what we've done to the world. And like, I just felt so seen. And, and my, one of the women recommended this book, the empath survival guide, and oh my God, I mean, I didn't know what an empath was and I am totally just an empath. Like I'm not a freak. And the book was really cool because it just, it talks a lot about like how beautiful it is to be an empath and how like the world would be a better place if we had more empaths or if empaths were leaders, like the the world would look very, very different than it is now. So it just like made me feel really like, it was like another one of those moments where I was like, coming home to myself and being really accepting of of what's there. Like, I don't need to push this part of me away. I can accept that I can be with my feelings when they come up and I know that they'll pass. And I just need to learn how to relate to them and how to care for myself and to channel that towards like positive change. And it's what makes me like a really good advocate as a lawyer. And so I don't, I don't want to like, I don't want to hide that part of myself. And I want to be around people who value that in me and who are comfortable with that.
1: Yeah. It's so beautiful that you had that experience. And I think it also says something about our society in general that you had to, that the permission to be an empath and to feel so deeply had to come from others, like had to come from this outside source.
0: Totally. Totally. Well, I, you know, I think it's also, it's also part of that, like struggle of, of like the, the need to belong. Like I felt in a way, like it's natural that I am not going to do something that feels like it will repel people. Right. Because, but to realize that like, oh no, when I, when I actually am authentic, the right people will show up and will gravitate towards me. And so I won't be alone just because I'm, I'm being my authentic self.
1: Yes, totally. And you have to give up the, you partially have to give up that desire to be liked or to be accepted by everybody in order to get to that place.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Which is like pretty freaking liberating.
1: Definitely. It
0: really is. Because it's a lot of pressure to, there's like so many people bring their own stuff to whatever interaction they're having too. So like, you know, there are, you can be perfectly kind and fun and, and like great to someone. And, and they could still be like, oh, fuck this bitch. Like, she's just so peppy, you know, or like everyone has different things that annoy them because of their own, you know, shadow or conditioning or whatever, or just their preferences. So it's like, okay, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea.
1: Yeah. Cool. It's hard. Now I'm kind of on this journey, I guess you could call it, about trying to understand how I, I don't absorb that from other people and how what everybody else is projecting onto me or onto the group I'm in or just society in general, I have a tendency to absorb those things and sort of like adopt them as my own when in reality, Absor- absorb like all of the issues that people bring with them whether they're like issues with me, Mm. or issues with the world or issues with other people, whether or not they're valid. I have had a tendency to absorb them and make them my own. I think in an effort, to feel like I belong.
0: So meaning that like, if someone has an opinion about someone else, you'll sort of adopt that opinion.
1: Right. Or if somebody has an opinion about me or an opinion about what I should be doing or should not be doing, Mm. but like understanding how to, how to shed all of the things that aren't mine.
0: Well, and where do you think, like, what do you think, just like we were talking about earlier, like that feels to me like a coping mechanism that developed when you were younger, right? And I wonder what it was, like, I wonder how it started. And and it's just so interesting to see it as like a habit. that Yeah, that totally.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a coping mechanism. And I think that part of it started from, not feeling like I was allowed to have feelings. Yeah. And then that transformed into being afraid of my feelings. Yeah. And I just held a lot inside. I had no idea how to ex- like identify my feelings, let alone express my feelings. Yeah. But I now know. it's just, you know, it's important to just sit with the feelings and to know that your feelings won't last forever they're all fleeting. It's like what you talked about earlier about the thoughts passing and you just notice them passing the same thing with feelings.
0: Yeah. And like, they're actually like, there's this idea that like, because we're so afraid of the negative feelings that like, there's this like fear of, of negative feelings that adds a lot more to it and it makes it a lot worse. And so it's like, if you can notice when you're feeling like when I see a sad, when I see a movie that, that moves me to tears. Now I don't think of that as bad. I think it's a beautiful part of life that life is filled with so many different varied experiences and emotions. And that like losing a loved one, the fact that that makes you upset and cry, it's actually beautiful because it means you, you love that person and Like, I feel like there's without, like, there's no light without the dark, right? There's no, you can't have love without pain because you will, we will all lose the people that we love. That's just the nature of life. And so I think sometimes like these pain and pain and joy kind of are two sides of the same coin and there's nothing to fear in the, the, in, in the emotions. Like that's, that's the meaning of life is to feel like that's what makes us human and what makes in my opinion, like that's what makes life rich and worth living. And so this, like, it's kind of sad that we're kind of taught to numb this stuff out and to like be overwhelmed by it. And you're so right that if you just observe it and sort of appreciate the feelings as they come and welcome them, like, yeah. And then, and then they go and then there's a new one and then there's a new one.
1: Right. And we're all, there's all just so much pressure for us to just be happy all the time. Right. And it turns into this suppressed fear, anger, sadness, all of the feelings that we label as bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And even like, even that happiness, I don't even feel like it's like a rich, deep happiness. It's sort of just like a surface level. Like, yeah, things are good. Let me tell you about, you know, my, you know, everything's good with my husband. My kids are good. They're doing these activities at school. You know, I'm like, it's a surface level. Like, I don't even feel like we're really taught to engage deeply with our feelings, even of joy, and to like, really feel joy and hold on to it and like, experience gratitude and and really look at what we have and deeply, deeply appreciate it. And I think once you are able to, as you start like kind of awakening and thinking about this stuff, I think like life just seems a lot more vivid, both the both like the you know, what we would call good and bad, but like all of it just seems a lot richer.
1: Yeah, definitely. My, one of my best friends right after I uh, went through my breakup, like right after it happened, she said to me, because she went through one, I think it was last year. And she said to me, it's really beautiful. You you just feel, you feel more alive. Like even though these feelings are awful and you just feel like you're never gonna get out of it and you just feel hopeless and you cry all the time whatever it may be however you may be expressing them that's like part of what it is to feel alive and i always had that in the back of my yeah, mind yeah that's
0: so that's really beautiful because that's right like yeah i mean i i feel like i know a lot of people who are just sort of like how are you oh good busy and it's like I don't want that yeah busy is the new right exactly and it's just like this sort of like "Mm," like I don't ever want to just be so so like I want to be yeah you know this I'm so grateful for this relationship in my life and I'm I'm feeling really rewarded by my work and here are the challenges I'm facing and and like I would rather engage like that with life than just be like "Mm, it's okay it's fine it's fine that like fine. I just never, I don't know. That doesn't appeal. Totally.
1: I've been told so many times that, and it's like part of the shadow of like that I'm just fine. I'm always fine. You know, people used to tell me that in college that I'm just really chill and I'm just, I'm always fine. I'm never great. I'm never bad. I'm just really
0: Oh my God, Marissa. I didn't mean to say that as like a, I didn't. No, no, no.
1: It's just interesting that that's, that's part of, I mean, back at that time, I wasn't fully living my true self. Interesting.
0: Because I wouldn't think Me of
1: projecting that is totally just absorbing the, the shoulds of what I should act like.
0: Yep. You know, it's like a defense yep. mechanism. That's so funny. So, like, you don't feel like that is really who you are.
1: No. I mean, I think that I have a tendency to be very level-headed and which is great. I don't I'm not a very like emotive person generally, but I'm trying to like lean into my emotions more and to like to be more emotive because I feel like the part of myself that isn't is just that conditioned part. Interesting. And the part that was too yeah. afraid to feel. Like I want to feel yeah, more. Totally.
0: It's interesting cuz like yeah, I mean, and I you you should Like, I want you to embrace yourself as you are, but also it's really about differentiating between like, well, what is, what is serving me and what's like actually feels intuitively like right for me and what is sort of something that I've just adopted as, as a coping mechanism.
1: Yeah, totally. Okay. I would love to talk for a really long time. I know that we're good, (laughs) but Um, I do have some like quick questions hit me that I would love to ask you hit me so if you could speak to yourself 15 years ago with the knowledge that you have now what would you say
0: oh um I think it would just be like a really big hug and you are so perfect just as you are
1: I love that That's so beautiful. Thanks. Um, When you imagine your quote unquote happy place, what do you imagine? Uh,
0: Redwood trees. Me too. And being away from cars and noises and people and being like deep in a forest with maybe a, a loved one and, and yeah. And like hearing the creek running and watching the deer go by. That's amazing.
1: What was the last meal that you had?
0: Just today? Yeah. I had for dinner, like a, I think it was a pretty delicious cob salad. I like did the like baked bacon in the oven so it got really crispy and you don't have to touch it, which is great. And then just had some hard boiled eggs, a bunch of different like romaine and other greens, and then potatoes avocado and cherry tomatoes and just threw it all together so it was kind of like a it was like a hearty but like cool meal because it's so fucking hot I know it's like 100 degrees outside it's gross that sounds delicious though
1: okay last question what book are you reading right now
0: a book that it's like not really relevant to the times but it feels really relevant to my happiness. And it's called the hidden life of trees by a guy who is like a, I actually don't even want to say what he is because I'm not sure I would say it right. But he like worked in forests. I think he was like a forester and it's all about truly how magical trees are and how they like live with their, like the parents live with their children and like share resources with them and like how they feel pain and, all this shit that's like blowing my mind, but it's, it's just so beautiful. And I love trees so much and it's, it's making me really happy.
1: Oh, I need to read that. That sounds amazing.
0: I, I'm glad you see you. It's great that you say that. Cause I mentioned it to my coworkers and they were like, that sounds so boring. So. Oh my
1: God. That's what it's I like to that... be a lawyer where you're surrounded by <laughs> people that don't appreciate the
0: trees. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. They're like, they're, I mean, I like the books. They're like really into like, you know, post post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic stuff like station 11, which I like, but sometimes I just want to learn about trees.
1: Well, thank you so much. I appreciated this. I loved our conversation. I, saw, and I
0: loved it.
1: I know that we will continue to have these conversations over and over again, but I just love that we were able to. Oh my to God. I this.
0: loved it. I, I just always feel so connected when we chat and thank you so much for like bringing me on here. Yeah.
1: yeah I'm so excited for everyone to hear your voice and to hear how awesome oh, Stop
0: are. it. Don't, I told you I cry <laughs> easily. But thank you. I'm excited for you to just be putting your brilliant self out there. I think you have so much light to share with everyone and beautiful ideas. And you ask such thought-provoking questions.
1: Well, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I love Julia so much. We always have the most thought-provoking conversations. And she seriously is just so kind and wonderful to talk to. I'm happy you all got a little taste of her wonderfulness. I also want to thank Spencer Stewart for creating the beautiful, atmospheric music for this podcast and May Tough Coder for setting all of that up. Seriously, thank you both so much. And to everyone listening, to hear all of the latest podcast updates, subscribe to the podcast on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen, or just go to undefinedpodcast.com. And I think I'll be coming out with an episode every couple of weeks. So stay tuned. Thank you so much. And you'll hear from me soon.